Welcome back to Outside Our Element. Uh, thanks you, thank you for uh, all the fans that have waited so long <laughs> for the return of the podcast. Um, twice we were called upon to save the world. Once successful, once failed. Uh, but we're here again, and uh, I'm your host, Alex. I'm joined here, of course, by uh, my co-host, uh, world-class underwater basket weaver, Iowa. Thank you. Thank How you. How are you, Happy sir? to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, the world's largest leprechaun, Hasley. Hello. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. We I saw a meme the other day. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a little aggressive of a jump, but please continue. That said, before memes, uh-huh. all we did was sit in a circle and quote Anchorman all day long. I believe that's an old, old wooden ship used in the Civil War. Era. I think that's a quote from that movie. I, Is it? Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever seen Anchorman, I don't think but I've heard real. it's good. I've only seen the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Stonewall Jackson? There's so much we can learn from you. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> uh, we've officially reached summer. And being in the heart of Texas, it is hot as balls. Literal balls. Um, but I had a quick question to start the, the, the podcast off this week in regards to a little bit of Summer Eleven. Um, I want to know your opinion on what is appropriate beach attire for men over the age of 30. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've got this. So uh, I fortunately, with my wife and I, we got to go to an all-inclusive resort. Receipts. And... Well, I'm actually a trophy <laughs> husband, so she paid for it all. I'm not going to discuss all the receipts. I don't even know them personally. I'm just sure they were at a very good. Cool. So you guys were at a log cabin. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and on this resort, uh, there were quite a few European fellows. And I can vouch that um, thongs are not the choice. Speedos are not appropriate beach attire for anyone. Can you confirm that these European men were over 30? Without fail. I not only have obtained copies of their birth certificates whenever I got the copy of Obama's, I also, he's not from <laughs> Kenya, spoiler alert, it was Hawaii. The Jews were right. But he, uh, they all were well, well. Oiled. Oiled. <laughs> Understatement. Baby oil. Sometimes these um, particular Speedos were extremely revealing when they would take naps and maybe have intimate thoughts of things and would reveal not a joke when boners of the elderly were used against me. Okay. So what I'm gathering is speedos not appropriate in any weather. Okay. Just because they make you question your sexuality. Correct. I actually didn't realize I had an old man fetish until, and that was the thing. like my wife's here and I'm like, Hmm. Hey, will you please dress like an old man? And she said, what? And I said, never mind, never mind. I was kidding. Uh, but then I wasn't. So since I can't take that back, I would just have to tell. I mean, I'm the kind of guy that if I can't enjoy something because I'm married, no one else is allowed to tempt me. Okay. Government regulation. I, because I'm going to start enjoying the boners of the elderly, we have to make sure it's regulated that they can't be out in mass like they are at that particular resort. So it, we we have an idea of what you think is not appropriate. So what do you think is more appropriate? So I think if you're older than 30, you should wear Speedos because it's really great. That's not – The that's view is amazing. Opposite of what you just said. <laughs> I'm just, I personally – You're flip-flopping on the issues. Uh, there were no flip-flops. There were only thongs. 
And for the record, just because I think that it's distasteful doesn't mean I don't enjoy the view. Amen. Oh. I don't know how to follow that. I expected you to come up with some sort of joke answer, something not serious. I was speaking like, from the heart. Heavy. Really, yeah. Like, that was really dark. They were very tan and muscular. It must be. And fat. Italy or something. It was all for Italy. All the hair was curly. Extremely. Thank you. You, you were were you guys there incognito? Were you actually dressed as we the old those guys? I freaking knew it, and that's why I was so turned on. It's bad grandpa, but <laughs> she's my cherry pie. Continue. Oh, I don't know how to follow that. I mean, all I have is joke answers. I was serious, so that the it leaves room for joke answers. Oh, okay. So, in all seriousness, <laughs> what you should wear to the beach if you're over thirty and you're a man is sunscreen. <laughs> the only thing doctors agree upon universally. Is that correct? That's correct. Skin cancer affects 58 million people a year. And that's, you know, if you're not familiar with that number, that's twice the size of Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wear sunscreen, people. Can I just say something? Pro right tip. I, Wear sunscreen. I watch a lot of InfoWars, and I'm still not convinced that I believe in sunscreen. Like, it's not a joke. I don't believe sunscreen exists. Okay. So I can tell by your complexion. <laughs> as a ginger, I think I can speak. I'm on the victimhood scale to where I can actually say that uh, the sun is my natural enemy. That being said, I don't believe there is. The sun is not a monster. Debatable. Have you ever thrown anything at it? I've stared at it. How did that work? I always fail. You know, the real baller is Trump because he can look at a solar eclipse without the glasses. Not even six minutes in and we bring up Trump. I can't help I it. swear. Have you seen? We said we weren't going to do it this time. He covers his eyes with his hand <laughs> to stare at the eclipse. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, was, I, I put this question here because I have, I have a, a question that I I've specifically want answered. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not done with my answer. <laughs> right, which is why I was going to say we should let Iowa finish. Hurry the fuck up. <laughs> All right. You know, beyond sunscreen, you should wear some sort of lycra polyester blend <laughs> because they're resistant to chlorine and reduced chafing. I mean, that's just a fact, people. That's what you should be wearing. Yeah, I'm going I'm I'm to need you to take it two steps back and first of all, explain what the fuck you're talking about. And second of all, give me a real world example. And prove to me sunscreen okay, okay, exists. Okay, okay, okay. Finally, my third and final point <laughs> is you should wear confidence in the era of the dad bod. Wear what you always have. Wear your gut. There's no sense in trying to manscape or hide your gut. Just let it hang out. Have fun. Sunscreen, polyester lycra blend shorts, and confidence. That's my answer. I'm sticking to it. Excellent. I appreciate the in-depth answer. I'm slightly offended. <laughs> not at all what you wear to the beach? Just the image in my head that you've created. <laughs> it's not of you. It's of my worst nightmare. The, the one dude I don't want to see at the beach with, beach with confidence. Um, okay, so I, I do have a specific question. Who is Because it? I was in a situation where I don't own any tank tops. Oh. Right? Getting ready to go to the beach, I was contemplating the purchase of a tank top and... I didn't feel it was appropriate for me to wear a tank top as that is, you know, the cutoff for that is cut off. I like what you did there. Thank you. Cut <laughs> off for that. I did it completely on purpose because I, I meant to. We could tell. We lament it too. Uh, I, I think the cutoff for that is, you know, your, what, your college? 
you know, like a college bro can pull off the, the neon tank and top. I'm curious. Are you saying you don't own any tank tops? Zero. And where where are you from? What do you wear when you beat your wife? Yeah. <laughs> You're from Mesquite, right? I'm pretty sure it's a tank top. I'm pretty sure everyone who graduates from any Mesquite high California school. Exactly. Normally when my wife's beating me, <laughs> I'm wearing like, you know, a Bon Jovi t-shirt. <laughs> Is that with or without with maybe, or without maybe the scooter stick? Fifty percent silk, fifty percent polyester. <laughs> we, I would, I would have a ball talking about fetishes with you guys. Um. So, are you guys? Are you? Are you? We're we're all over thirty. Are you tank top guys? Wife beater only. Wife beater, Even yeah. when someone asks, right? But, but are you wearing your wife beater exposed, or is it specifically an undergarment? It's basically like a bra for me. I cover my nipples because they chafe. Is both a suitable answer? It is if you have an example. Picture or it didn't happen. Wait, what? You want an example of when I wore it and when I didn't? Well, right. I want to know when if you're choosing to wear it as an undergarment, but then you feel that there are times it's appropriate as outerwear, I'd like to know where you draw the line. Mm. Ooh. Well played, sir. Karaoke night? <laughs> Obvi. What else? Oh, I'm going to have to elaborate on that. I need more. <laughs> this isn't enough for you people. Well, I mean. I didn't mean you people. I'm so sorry. I really racist. take that back. God, my viewers are going to hate me. <laughs> I got nothing. So karaoke night qualifies as wife beater appropriate. Beach does not. I've worn a wife beater to the beach. Okay. I've worn a wife beater to walk my dog. So bad. Sure, but you haven't been 30 during all this. Or correct me if I'm wrong. I turned 30 and wore a wife to the beach. Wow. And he was walking his dog with the runny projectile diarrhea. That's true. Okay. So so we, we have wife beater appropriate <laughs> on at least one third of us here. What about, <laughs> what about uh, 30 years old? How short should your or long should your bathing suit be? Midnight. You got to make sure to even out the tan in case you wear shorter shorts with, you know. Going to the boat club. Okay, so mid thigh is is your short level or long level? Long level. <laughs> okay, so how short would you go? We're, we're all the way to thong, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah all the way to thong. I yeah. think that's appropriate when you're over thirty. Short level, yeah, that's for sure. So no more hurly border shorts. Well, you. if you're a seasonal surfer and a volunteer fireman, I think you can. And wear an the amateur board tattoo artist. Yeah, I think I think that's the one caveat to that because you can be old and surf without a doubt and fight fires. Okay. All right. Especially so, in California, you have to. Yeah. Well, people in California were, you know, dudes in California wear jeans and flip flops. <laughs> so I don't really, I can't really count them as normal. Jean shorts or jeans? Jeans. There's a big Stacey difference dudes. there. Yeah. They also jeans, wear roller skates. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. You mean no. Heelys? <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Heelys, right? <laughs> you see a pair of Heelys in a size nine and a half, you go ahead and grab those for me. Yep. Two pair. <laughs> Is this a segue to the next part where we talk about Heelys more? <laughs> So for topic number two, whatever happened to Heelys? <laughs> for real though. Where are they today and how can I buy stock? <laughs> I want stock in that. I don't even think Journey sells them anymore. That's a damn shame. Oh, ever since they got the Filipino, they started cutting back. I get you. Yeah. No, to stay on the topic of summer. Look, this thank- fucking trade war is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, it's cool. Normally when I speak, you shut the fuck up. Sweatshops. I get it because it's hot. Yeah. We good? <laughs> I really want to interrupt you one more time, but go ahead. He's not going to give you the chance. No, he won't. You should let him talk and then do it. 
He's going to hesitate to talk now, though. <laughs> <laughs> he flipped us off. Not using hands. Let the record state his pants are off now. <laughs> As I was saying. Speaking of heat, it's getting pretty heated on YouTube lately. <laughs> I'd like to pass it over to our field correspondent, Hasley, for a report and uh, some YouTube controversy uh, surrounding uh, at least one Steven Crowder. Uh, Hasley, please please let the audience know what they don't already know. Uh, yes, thanks, Alex. Uh, yes, speaking of the YouTube controversy, specifically mentioning one or multiple Steven Crowders, uh, for those who haven't been paying attention, Steven Crowder does a segment on his YouTube channel. He's a comedian, conservative comedian, political commentator. Pick it what you will. Uh, he does this thing called... I'm sorry, did you say pick it? Pick it what you will. I was calling you one. <laughs> you uncultured swine. You illiterate mook. Anyways, uh, he does this thing called a Vox rebuttal. It's a segment that he does where there's a video done by uh, Carlos Maza, uh, a Vox reporter, that says some topic. And whatever it is, it's a rebuttal of said topic. And in his rebuttal of the video several times, over the many years that he's been doing Vox rebuttals, he refers to Carlos Maza as uh, a queer Latino or gay Latino. For the record, his... Twitter handle is gay wonk or something like that. So he's using those terms. Zero relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to watch the Revenant. <laughs> Zero relevant. There's almost as many words. So he says queer, several things like that. Gay, queer Latino guy is what he says. And so um, it was apparent that uh, I guess one of the videos talking about, I think it was Antifa or. Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter. Or, Annie Jamama. Aunt Jemima, one of those videos that he was rebutting that Vox did a story on, he mentioned again that he was a gay Latino or queer Latino or something along those lines. Carlos Maza from Vox uh, made a big um, Twitter army go into it. They A lot of people emailed or Twitter. There's a lot of details here. They went to YouTube directly. YouTube said Steven Crowder didn't violate any terms. Then they had the Twitter mob go after YouTube again, and Twitter, or I'm sorry, YouTube reconsidered the rules, said that he didn't violate any policies. However, they were going to pull all ads from the YouTube of Steven Crowder because it was considered harassment because of how many different videos he was calling the Carlos Maza uh, reporter a queer, or Latino queer, or gay queer, whatever you want to say. And um, in doing so, uh, forcibly demonetize Steven Crowder's platform. They did have the caveat saying that they would allow ads again if they removed uh, a link to a t-shirt that he sells that says socialism is for figs. The funny thing about it is that, well, it's not really funny depending on how you look at it. The figs. <laughs> but you think it's funny. The, the I in figs is actually a picture of a fig, but it looks like socialism is for fags because it has Che Guevara doing a little limp wrist thing. And uh, the reason they use figs is because I guess that's the city La Higuevera is where Che Guevara was captured. Hmm. It's triple entendre, which you usually have to pay double for that. Anyways, YouTube has 
demonetized him and several other people. I think there was a thing called an adpocalypse years ago where people were demonetized. People stating that white supremacy was wrong were demonetized because it just had the white supremacy in there. So is, yes, that is, that is pretty much what's going on. I want to try to summarize that a little bit. Thank you. So the end all be all is Steven Crowder has been somewhat harassing this other reporter from Vox by calling him out constantly and definitely not constantly down his idea. Well, he does like a weekly segment, right? Can you say that? Oh, he does a weekly segment, not a weekly Vox rebuttal. That's usually once every six months. Or oh, whatever. gotcha. So periodically, he'll just kind of harass him. And of course, that gets his followers to also harass him as well. He calls him a gay Latino, which can or can be offensive. And I, I get that he calls himself that, but some people might take that offensive. And the end-all be-all is that the Vox reporter turned around pushed his audience to really call him out for his harassment and YouTube responded. Not to, they didn't call him out at all. They went straight to YouTube. Right. They called him out by going to YouTube yeah, yeah, yeah. and wanted to get like either the video taken out or some sort of action taken. Right, right, right. And YouTube's response was to demonetize Steven Crowder's channel. Not initially, but YouTube's yes. YouTube's original response was. They didn't violate anything. They said that he didn't violate anything and then they came back later. And said he still didn't violate money. anything, but it's the, they, they still said he didn't violate anything, but... They gave no reason for demonetizing his site. Correct. Zero. Correct. You stand by that. I stand by that. Interesting. That's the crazy part. I know, that's, that's the... Well, where is it? And that's why, again, not just him, but other people were demonetized. Yes, the same they suite. said they'd re-monetize him. That's a word. It is to, now. If he took down a shirt. No, if he took down a link to the shirt from the video. Not that he can stop selling the shirt, or even if he advertises the shirt... They just don't want to link for it in the comments. So or if you the, connect the dots, they demonetized him for a reason, hence the shirt. It just happened to fall around the same time that all this backlash came from the box followers. Happened to fall along the same time as the New York Times article about YouTube and gay pride month. But yes. Gotcha. Okay. I think we're all cut up. Is everybody on the same page? Sure. So there's two things that we're going to tackle here. And normally I'm the type of guy that just wants to take the high ground and speak about the overall topic but I'm going to go ahead and tease this one out Thank a little you. bit. I love this. Um, we're we're going to go ahead and turn up the heat. So, <laughs> it's getting uh, hot. It's getting it's, hot, yeah. It's, I, I, you know, it, it's very apparent that, and, and it's okay. Okay, I'm giving you, a, this is an okay thing. But it's very apparent that you have a strong opinion on this, Hasley. So, as opposed to having you play the um, uh, role of a commentator, on this, I'm going to actually change it up and I'm going to do uh, a small interview with you as someone who opposes the, uh, the the decision that was made by YouTube. Are you okay with that? That's a great idea. Okay, great. So with the decision, let's start with a couple of things that you said um, in, in your description. So there were, you specifically referenced um, slurs that he, the uh, Mr. Crowder used um, against this reporter. Can or, I ask a, a question? If you let me finish mine, I'd be more than happy to let you rebuttal. You you talked about how Mr. Crowder uh, used specific slurs towards this uh, reporter and justified it by saying that this reporter refers to himself as a gay person. I'm going to give you a chance to rebuttal. I wanted you to expand on that and make sure, number one, did I understand that correctly? And number two, if someone who identifies as gay 
has a handle that refers to them as gay, does that make it okay for someone else to use any gay slur that they would like to describe that person? That, that is exactly where my question would go to you. What defines a slur? Um, I would say anything that was taken offensive by the party that it was said to. So if one person is offended, that means it's a slur. Is that where we're going? That's Think of all the ways that that scenario plays out. Is that what we define slur as? Sure. Um, in, in the short term, uh, until I you're, you give me a situation to prove me incorrect because I'm very open-minded. Right. Sure. I'm okay with that definition. So YouTube has videos right now of Stephen Colbert saying that Donald Trump um, is basically the dick holster for Vladimir Putin. Is that a slur towards gays because some gay people might be offended that Donald Trump would be considered gay? Sure. So how is I mean, that's, is that a slur or not? Is that something that should be reprimanded for being a slur? Well, I, I, I'm not necessarily saying – I'm not referring to the repr, the reprimandation of this Mr. Crowder based on this slur. I'm trying to understand your viewpoint of um, – as, as someone who disagrees with it, that, that his choice of words and right. his choice of description of this other person, to me it seemed like they were justified in your eyes – because he referred to himself as gay. No, so yeah. to answer your question, yeah, I would say Stephen Colbert was saying something that would be considered offensive. Right, right, right. That could be taken as offensive. I'm not saying that he should be treated the same level. I'm not saying that Mr. Crowder should be punished for it. Right, right, I'm right. just trying to um, understand and explore the way that you presented that information. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your clarity. That helps a lot with me. The video of any box rebuttal is roughly 10, 15 minutes long. Most of the rebuttal videos consist of differing with the ideas, arguing with the ideas. And in that, when he uses the quote unquote slurs that we have now defined, he says, oh, but the gay Latino says it's okay, so everyone's cool. And so he's using it in a comedian type role, not a I hate you, you queer Latino kind of thing. Okay, sure. Um, but with that, what, what I'm saying is, is it, so you feel that because he's using it in a comedian type role. Oh, no, I'm not saying that that's justified. And I'm not, I'm, let me, let me make my position clear on it. If you're a slur against someone, sure, you're a slur against someone. That's, that's not good. That's obviously a bad thing. You don't want to offend someone, especially if you're going out of your way to offend someone. I completely agree. My, thank you very much for the clarity. That helps me out. Whether or not he said something that's acceptable or not is one thing. Because I completely agree. If okay. someone's, that's, sure. that's, my, my issue with it is any sort of banning or demonetization of anybody on what's quote unquote a platform versus a publisher. That's where more of my issue comes. Not the I, I, I get what you're saying in there. If, if specifically if I'm a gay Latino reporter and I keep hearing about this quote unquote comedian who's a political commentator who sometimes is, but sometimes isn't, sometimes he's funny, sometimes he's not. I, I get where you would be offended by that, all those kind of things. That's not my my argument is where do you draw the line? Gotcha. That's more of my angle. I know you well enough to know that that wasn't your thought, but the way that you said it made it seem that way. Right. And that was why I wanted to, um, um, you know, pull that yeah, dive through that. Absolutely. Exactly. Comb through that is because I wanted to get to the heart of your opinion on that because 
I felt the way that you presented that gave off that opinion, and I know you. I know you well enough to know that's not you. So, okay, great. Then I'd like to jump over. So let's talk about it. I, I think this is a great topic of freedom of speech, right? Um, platform versus publication. Um, I think you bring up publisher. Sorry, uh, I think you bring up a great topic. How do you, Hasley, define the difference between um, platform and publisher? I define it's very different than what the government has decided. So the government decides. Let's take for example public utilities, or let's say AT and T for example. And I use my AT and T phone, and I call Iowa, and I say, "Hey, Iowa." Racist, racist, racist things. You gotta racist, gotta racist, racist, racist things. And also, let's kill a guy. And also, I don't know. Let's copyright and plagiarize, and let's do all of the above. Yeah. Is AT and T held responsible for my conversation with Iowa since they were the means that I was able to communicate that? No, of course not. They're a platform, not a publisher. Initially, when all of big tech started gaining their uh, leeway and their their headway i'm sorry into getting the dominance they have today they promoted themselves as platforms Mm -hmm. this is a new community if you will this is where everybody can express their ideas to whatever extent they want and obviously there are some despicable people out there there are racist white supremacist homophobic islamophobic stupid people that are usually in an echo chamber of their own crap, filth. And through that, uh, as a platform, similar to the despicable things that could happen over me calling Iowa on our AT&T phones or Sprint phones or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. That is what they were, or at least claiming to be. However, with taking the demonetization thing, and that's another thing with specifically Steven Crowder, he paid for the advertising. He built his platform on there. He has another platform for money and all that kind of stuff. The issue is a platform is someone who is just an open vessel anybody can use. A publisher is someone who determines what content is out there. With a platform, similar to AT&T not being held liable for someone saying something racist or stupid or whatever, they're not held legally liable for it. As a publisher, however, let's say the New York Times has some column that someone writes that they allow on their screen and they say, oh, um, I don't know, insert some sort of racist, homophobic, any... Hitler should be hailed as right. a hero. Go with that, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minorities are inferior, those kind of things. Sure, sure. New York, New York Times would be held liable for that. Also, also in that, um, if New York Times was to post a picture of someone without copyright, they would be held liable for that because they didn't get permission from the original creator. Facebook, YouTube, those kind of things are all platforms, quote unquote, which means they are not held to the same standard if someone steals uh, a meme from someone or something like that. Okay. All right. Um, Iowa, you are someone who's actually been in a position to create content um, for you know websites that I would consider to be publishers and things like that. I was curious to your definition um, of publisher versus um, platform. Platform. <laughs> I know exactly what's going on. <laughs> and uh, is it, it? Does it align? Is it different in any way? Kind of fill me in on, on what you're thinking. I really don't see the difference. To be honest, at the end of the day, they're all businesses. YouTube is a business. The New York Times is a business. 
how they get their content out. It's all just part of their business. Where I would take issue with stuff like this is if the government was doing it. Uh, it was a government platform of some kind, and there was some sort of preference for one side or the other. But at the end of the day, both of these references, the YouTube and New York Times, they have a board of directors. They have people that work there. They have executives that sway certain ways. And at the end of the day, the business can lean one way or the other. So, Can I disagree with that? You can, yeah, you can yeah. So New York Times, if someone posted something defamatory or let's say, I mean, anything defamatory, New York Times would legally be held liable for it because they are a publisher. If someone posts something that's slanderous on Facebook, they're not legally held liable for it in the government, as, as you would say, because they are quote unquote a platform. Yet you can't be a platform if you get to pick and choose what's on it. They, they're as you mentioned the government as a platform you're given certain privileges that the government gives worldwide not just limited to just the US I get what you're saying but at the same time think about it from a different scope that they're publishing all sorts of things a good example for that would be like the classified ads like they're publishing that the same on the same piece of paper that they are these exposés that they're doing New York Times is posting classified ads. Take the Washington like any other thing. No one does that anymore. Nobody posts any sorts of advertisements at all. Classified ads. But they do choose and they could be held liable for any advertisement that's Let's on. Let's take it back to when they did do classifieds. Uh, we're taking it now. It's that's the, the thing is the game has changed because of social media so they platforms. Stopped being a platform and started being publishers and they stopped doing when classifieds. You, is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying you stop being a platform when you control the content that is released. They controlled the classifieds back in the day. They chose who to do and who Correct. Not. And they would be a New York Times, using that example, yeah. if that's if the New York Times posted something that was a classified ad that someone did that was slanderous, the New York Times could be sued and would be held. Anybody could be sued for anything at any time. Not true. That's what I'm saying. That's no, exactly. they may not successfully win, but right. technically they can be sued. Anybody can be sued for anything at any time. Okay, let me rephrase. They would be New York Times could legally would most likely be legally held liable for something because they are a publisher. Facebook would not because they are a platform. YouTube would not because they are a platform. That's that's so you're saying that I don't want anything as long as the government's not doing something. The government is giving freedoms to YouTube for example since that's the one at topic but it's all of them. They're called a platform essentially, which is shielding them from legal liabilities. So so they're having their cake and eating it too. Just to clarify, the New York Times sometimes will post something that's incorrect. Correct. And they will do a retraction. Correct. Later on, right? And that's probably the right thing to do. Absolutely. Facebook, on the other hand, lets anybody post anything without any sort of control. Incorrect. They can't post anything. No, they've been uh, banning people from use. They've pulled down all sorts of posts. They've obviously created different algorithms where people... And they've talked about moving forward with government regulation that they will be posting some sort of bot or algorithm that says this may or may not be true essentially when you're sharing articles. So it's like they may not currently be like the New York Times and be held responsible because it's kind of a new medium. Agreed. But they're heading that way. Yeah. And the government is having like the Cambridge Analytica, all these other talks about privacy. Like the government is getting involved heavily with social media platforms. Facebook an example, but YouTube as well. Yeah. Who who wants that? 
who who's well, hold on hold on hold on let me let me jump in real quick so i got a question for both you guys and i'd like them to be answered independently um so i, I wanted to start with something that you said um you said that there you don't see a difference because the content they produce they still have a you know board of directors and things like that i was just curious to see if you consider what's uploaded on youtube if you think that that's YouTube's content that they produce or content that's just produced on the, their website. Great distinction because YouTube has their own content. Right. And they can be held liable for that just like anybody on YouTube can as well. Sure. Um, the New York Times, obviously, they have complete freedom. So I do give you that point. Yeah. So I was just, I was just curious about that because when you, when you phrase it that way, I wasn't sure if you thought that um, everything that was – that YouTube held themselves responsible – for everything that was on. But I think through your discussion, you said that's kind of the direction they're going. Right. And at the end of the day, both platforms lean a certain direction and are controlling it. The New York Times is left-leaning. Would you agree? And that's what they put on their, their paper and on their own right, right. platform. I would say YouTube is left-leaning. Other, others would argue with that and say it's right-leaning because it's a... Uh... If, they, it's, if you read the New York Times article about really? YouTube, they would say it's actually a trap for the right. I would agree with you that at least from the top, it's more left-leaning, but do you understand that's debated? Of course. All right. So for Hasley, I have a question. So YouTube starts out as a small company, as, as most companies do, mm -hmm. and they want to be a platform for mm -hmm. people to be able to post videos and post content um, and, and so that's how they set out um, through their growth and their platform reaching so many people. Right. Maybe they are starting to feel a responsibility for the outcomes of the content and the reach that the content has based Absolutely. on the platform that they not only created, but they have the responsibility of governing. An example of that would be their recent um, uh, attempt to take down pedophilia, pro-pedophilia type uh, videos and or comments, right? Where they, right. Um, you know, were called out and, and found that it was a breeding ground for um, people who shared uh, pedophilia type of attractions and, and had these types of discussions and comments and things like that. So. Um, as they start to understand how they are changing and morphing and fitting into today's society, um, you know, I think one of your bigger issues is they can't have their cake and eat it too. Are they going to have, they can't have the protection of a platform while, um, issuing the governance of a publisher. So does it, you know, what if they're in, so my, my synopsis is maybe they're in a transition point at this time. So how do you see it be fair or the the best way from your outside your element uh, 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 contribution here, opinion? <laughs> how do you see the best way if, if this is – if what I'm saying is true, how is it best for them to make that transition over to um, a publisher where they do now govern the content based on the effects and the outreach they've created through their platform? Right. Absolutely. I want to make my position clear real quick. Businesses are businesses. Private businesses have no reason. No one should tell them what to do. Shouldn't be the government, especially not some whiny conservative people saying they were treated unfairly. 
I want to make that very clear. Sure. No one has the right, specifically under the Constitution, thank goodness, to tell someone what to do. It's specifically in that aspect. Obviously, there are other aspects. I'll digress. In this particular instance, you agree. I agree completely that YouTube has now gotten to the point that they are so big. They are the only medium, essentially, for transferring videos. And in fact, I, I would say it is the best uh, platform, if you will, that does the best to stay neutral on regardless of who it is posting, including pedophilia and or white supremacy, Nazi, or I'm sorry, Holocaust deniers. <laughs> that That is on the YouTube. Credit to YouTube in allowing that kind of stuff to happen. However... One of the things that is different, if, if you take a look at how YouTube actually got started, there at the time that YouTube was created, there were several different platforms that people could use to upload videos on. Uh, Vimeo, I think, is still around, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So there, there, there are some other videos that they can still use. The thing that YouTube did that set them apart, which honestly launched them to the juggernaut that they are now, is that they said, we will pay you to put your content on. If we're able to monetize your videos, if we're able to post ads with your videos, we're going to pay you for it. Mm -hmm. And and again, using the Steven Crowder example where they said you didn't technically violate anything, but then they technically, they obviously did. The, the big issue with it all, if you're trying to transition, the way that he was asking is that if you're trying to transition, a great way to start is to deplatform Alex Jones, is which they did initially. Right. Going after Steven Crowder next. It, 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 well, that seems, especially he's got like 3 million, 4 million subscribers. It's a bigger, bigger fish in the pond, needless sure. to say. So if you're trying to go with that, be transparent. Say, hey, we don't like the crap that is going on. We're going to now start, even if you don't violate what our set rules are, we've got the discretion to choose that as we will in allowing what, what we want to have published which would again go back to the, well, then if you get to determine what you're publishing, how would that make you less liable? Especially in the case of who, again, I'm, I'm going with the free business. You pick whatever you want. You yeah. can demonetize or block or whatever, whoever you want. I, I yeah. agree in that, right? Then at the same time, if some, I don't know, suicide murderer guy starts posting a YouTube live video of how he goes into a school or something like that, you would be held liable for that because you didn't block it. Right. So that that's it's, That's your point. That's my whole point. Is I don't really care about blocking Steven Crowder or anyone. Right. You're a private business. Block whatever you want. But if you don't set the rules, make them transparent, and then treat yourself as either a platform or a publisher, where do we even know where to go? And I think that your first part is where we agree. Um, this is a tricky one because on one hand, I, I believe in free speech. People should be able to say whatever they want, even if it is – idiotic and ignorant Stupid. mostly ignorant. yeah um say it you know scream from a mountain do whatever you want to do that's this is a free country um uh, at the same time like you said if, if this is your business you should be able to do whatever you want absolutely you know the new york times is a leadership the youtube has a leadership if they decide this isn't going to be allowed on my platform they should have the freedom to do that and i completely support that as well same. um you know if steven crowder doesn't agree with it he can find another platform for all i care well, that's that's where the that's where the gray area comes is because YouTube bought out and essentially beat out all the competitors by paying people with this false false premise that they would allow whatever you want to post. Sure, and this is, I mean, you know, maybe the real question here is: is the monopoly fair or not? 
which uh, could be for another time. But right, <laughs> like, well, I don't want to go into antitrust. Status. At the end of the day, I don't think there. You know, I don't know if there is a right answer here. I think we're we're in agreements that free speech is is being suppressed here, and that sucks. But at the same time, we're we're pro business, and they should be able to do whatever they want. Right. Um, but it's a tricky one. What would you say you are more pro business or pro free speech? That's a tough one. Free speech, I guess. Yeah, it'd have to be free speech, right? Right. But at the end of the day, it, I mean, you, we have both. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the world, it's not black and white, right? Um, there, there's going to be some gray areas right. and there's going to be mistakes made as, you know, I, I'm, I don't know, um, but I would assume some of these conversations happened internally in YouTube as well. Um, my evidence for that is they made a statement. They then retracted it. <laughs> um, they then changed their their basis on it and opinion on it without a whole lot of detail into, into why they did that. Right? Those are right. those are facts of this situation. Um, and it's it's one of those things that you know it's it's not easy just to figure out on day one. It's not right. easy to just make a decision automatically and that be the right decision. Um, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be, you know, um, they're, they're going to go on both sides of the spectrum on too loose, too tight um, on these specific situations. Right. Um, and because there really hasn't been anything like this before, uh, at least th that I can think of or, or, or relate to where, so, you know, people had such a platform to reach so many people that it's going to take a little bit of expiration a little bit of trial and error. And, you know, that's even assuming that the endpoint is something that right. the public would deem correct. Absolutely. Right. So, um, which I think in the end will sort itself out. If YouTube keeps messing up, if this is a mistake, the, the public will, will react. A right. new platform will poke its head out and YouTube will cease to exist. Capitalism. And I think that's, yes, yeah, <laughs> capitalism is like, they can make mistakes. This is ambiguous and the public will decide in the end. Agreed. I just have one last tidbit on jab that. yeah it's kind of a jab but then i want to circle around and end it on a good note for the record steven crowder specifically in speaking to carlos maza has always been um vehemently saying good word don't do any damage i i condemn anyone who would try to do any harassment personally to carlos maza i would condemn any sort of violence and he he goes above and beyond in multiple pretty much every video i've ever seen he he denounces any sort of violence of any kind carlos maz on the other hand has said that violence is sometimes good he suggests people should be milkshakes those kind of things which i think is a little more egregious than calling someone gay latino one more last tidbit and then i'm done give youtube props they might have demonetized steven crowder but they did not remove a single video. Even all the ones that were flagged, they have an, uh, eventually yeah. said. They could have easily deleted their right. channel and they, that's something they do often. Exactly. They demonetized the crap out of it. But and they gave him a way back into it. They gave him a way back in and they have made sure to keep his stuff on there, yeah. which gives them more of a platform feel than a publisher feel. Although I, I, I heard as Dan Paxman, I think is his name. This guy Joe Rogan interviewed and yeah. he talked about how he and a couple other people when YouTube did that blanket demonetizing, Steven Crowder is going to be fine. He's got his own platform for things. Other guys, not so lucky. And, and, and I think his name is Dan Paxman. He's a liberal even. And he was, his arguments were talking about white supremacy and how, how false it is and how the fallacies about it. And he was demonetized. And smaller people like that aren't able to handle a demonetization 
as well as someone like Steven Crowder, which is unfortunate. Oh, yeah, there's been a lot of talk lately about how there's this really complex algorithm around right. getting rid of white supremacy accounts and they can't distinguish them between conservative accounts. <laughs> exactly. That's a big issue. Oh, and progressives talk, denouncing white yeah, supremacy. It's, it's kind of funny. It's a crazy thing. Anyways, that's, so give, give YouTube props. I agree with the second part. The first part, I know nothing about. I don't know what Steven Crowder said or what this other dude said, what they didn't say. To me, that's anecdotal, but I mean, you could be right. You could be wrong. I don't know. As someone who's watched pretty much a lot of the Vox rebuttals because they entertain me. Sure. I believe that you've watched all the Steven Crowder Vox rebuttals. <laughs> I don't believe that you've watched the other guys' videos to a full extent. Yes. All of them. All of them. As I, many as Steven Crowder. Would you say that? Yeah. Steven Crowder doesn't do that many. You've watched as many Steven Crowder videos as you've watched the other guys' videos. I have watched every single Vox video of the Vox rebuttals, which is what the topic what is. Steven Crowder does. Yes. Right. I, I'm not arguing that. I'm saying, what's the other guy's name? I keep forgetting. Carlos Maza. You've watched more Carlos Maza videos than you have Steven Crowder videos on YouTube. No, I'm talking about specifically of the Vox. Right. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying you oh, said that they said this and he said that, and this is the things that are going on. You've watched more of the Steven Crowder videos than you have the... I already forgot his fucking name again. But yeah. Maza. Yes. Steve Maza. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm not disagreeing with that, but so, I will watch the Vox video in yeah. its entirety. I can't confirm it or not that part. But the second part, I, I'm 100% agree with it. Sure. Okay. So um, I, I, I think this is good. Um, I appreciate the conversation that both of you guys contributed and the opinions that you did. Um, I'd like to switch over to the third topic that we have to discuss today. And this one's going to be a little more philosophical. Um, there's not a specific um, example to use. But what I wanted to throw up for us to discuss was uh, this idea of how long do you think it would take and what would have to happen for a third party to become relevant in elections nationwide? Okay. Now, let me throw in some, some caveats. Number one, we're going to assume that money is not an issue. Okay. Okay. So if there's any type of argument of it would, you know, you would have to have X amount of dollars or whatever. Let, let's just let's just assume that the equivalent funds across the board. Right. That 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 the fiscal uh, the, the, they have a fiscal equivalent to any party that exists today. Sure. Okay. However they raised it, however they did it, they have it. Okay. And then number two, um, that you know, the the when I say nationwide, what I mean is they don't have to win the presidency. Yeah. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm not asking, and I'm not proposing. What do you think it would take for a third party? And, and it may be part of your answer, but yeah. I'm not asking what would it take for a third party to win the presidency. What I'm asking is what would it take for a third party to be relevant nationwide? To be a contender. So to be a contender in local elections, city elections, statewide elections, to be able to be mapping towards a buildup of a potential presidential candidate. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the introduction and the buildup of a third party that is that is non-existent. Sure. Actually, it could be existent or non-existent today, but I just kind of wanted to pick your brains Um you know, what, what, what do you think it would take? So it wouldn't just be like a Hillary and Trump situation. It'd be a Hillary Trump and a Joe Blow or Jane Blow situation. Gary Johnson. Be three people. Johnson. <laughs> I got you. Um, are you done? You want me to yeah, go can jump it. in? Okay. Hop in. Uh, so I have a couple thoughts here. Um, I, I think that this is a very relevant question. Uh, a recent Gallup poll found that a majority of Americans, 57%, in fact, say that there's a need 
for a third major political party, nice. while 38% believe that the two-party system does an adequate job of representing the people. Did you say and does inadequate or Does an adequate okay, job. So it's inadequate. like the opposite, gotcha. the other side, basically. Um, these, these views have been consistent since 2013. Uh, so, like I said, very relevant topic. Um, I think that they're, the people want this. Where I want to begin this discussion is rather than tackling the question head on, discuss the question itself and what does a third party solve in your opinion? Why do you think the people believe that this is a solution to whatever the problem is and what is the problem? So what do you think that that third party system solves, Brian? Well, goodness, that I didn't even get a chance to answer his questions. <laughs> but this is a very fun philosophical thing. Uh, a third party in my opinion, of course, would solve a lot of things because essentially if you take a look at most elections, actually I'll go further than that. When I was in high school, I ran for the uh, city council position uh, at our high school. And my entire argument was don't vote for me because of me vote for me. Cause you don't want to get the other person in needless to say, I won in a landslide. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that is kind of, pretty much how our politics is now it's no one voted for Trump. Well, some people might've, some people voted for Trump because they thought it was a great thing, but most people voted for Trump because they're like, man, I don't want Hillary. Anyone who voted for Hillary was probably obviously thinking she was a good candidate, but also thinking, please not Trump. Yeah. That was a good, a lot of people wanted Bernie, if anything, but but to say, I'm not going to get on that. But at the same time, that's one of the things that uh, was the issue is that I haven't voted for a candidate. I liked transparently, except for when in 2008, I voted for Barack Obama. I thought that he was very charismatic speaker. I thought that he um, had, he kept his entire message was about unity. His presidency might not have. As I say, this is being recorded, right? His presidency might not have lived (laughs) up to many of the lofty goals he suggested on his campaign trail. However, he did have that message. That was something I I, I liked his charisma. I, I knew he was, knew i knew he didn't but he, i liked him there was something about him that you just wanted to like you wanted him to win you just were it was like his, an alive jfk honestly that's actually a very good comparison that he was he was a trendsetter and, and there hasn't been a candidate in pretty much any election i can think of since in our lifetime for sure that ah i like this candidate yeah. it's been hmm well I guess better than the other person. I, sure. I want to vote because I want to feel like I have a right to argue with politics and how everything in the country is stupid because I've participated. Yet at the same time, I'm not really happy with any of my choices. So a third party to answer your first question would solve a lot of things because it would just give someone another option. I think people on the right and the left right now do everything they can to pander toward their bases, which is stretching everybody further right or further left, which is missing on a vast majority of the country. I think a third thing would pull people in a different direction that the right and left wouldn't get so crazy on pandering to the base. Also to answer your questions, I I don't think that you would have to win a presidency to change the election. I think that, I mean, you could take a look at um, Ross Perot back when he went against George HW and even Bob Dole, his drawing the numbers was because he was a different type of candidate he also had a lot of money, but taking the money out of it, he was a charismatic figure as well. I think that if Gary Johnson hadn't flubbed his whole, oh, what's Aleppo kind of thing, sure. he would have been much more of a hard hitter uh, than what it looked like. So a, a third party would give more moderation 
which is what most of the country wants anyways. And at the same time, it, if you take money out of it, they would have a legitimate chance because the ideas alone are actually quite substantial. Talking about those ideas, what sort of views do you think a third party would have? Obviously, we've got the left and the right. What would that third party consist of? How would it be different? I think personally, maybe sure. I'm biased. No, it's, go for it. The most prominent thing I've heard from left and right people that if they could pick a party that they typically identify with, it would be more libertarian. They just want to be left alone. They're tired of everybody telling them to do this, tell them to do this, and you need to vote this, and you need to vote this. Everyone just wants to be essentially left alone. Obviously, you don't want anyone taken advantage of, and they just want to be able to live their lives in peace. I think a third-party candidate, specifically someone who is moderate, basically preaches that. Hey, yeah. Let's just be cool. It's right now. I hate the fact that both the right and the left are just turning everything to an 11 saying we're in this existential crisis. Are you kidding me? Everything's fine. Why is everything always a crisis? And I think a third party candidate basically saying everything's great. Here are a couple things we can work on. The world's not going to end in 12 years looking at the new deal. And the crisis at the border is not a national security issue at least not now. If it's been one, it's been one consistently forever. I don't know why now it's all of a sudden that we got to use executive power for it. But I think a third candidate just saying, or a third party saying, come on guys, can we just chill? Everything's we're extremely prosperous. Yes, there are certain outliers of bad things happening everywhere and we should definitely try to address those. However, can we all just tone it down? Mm -hmm. I think a third party would be able to alleviate all the pressure cooker of what is politics. I concur. To kind of go back to the original question, unless Alex wants to say something. No, I was just saying, make sure you hold your mic in front. Please. I can do that. <laughs> These mics make a lot. Ultimately, um, I think there is an issue of people picking the lesser of two weevils. Weevils? Yeah. Bull weevils? Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a ballad like that. I don't know do you know what I'm talking about? The lesser of two weevils? Two weevils? Weevils. Yeah, the bull weevil. Yeah. From what movie were I talking about there? I was specifically talking about a ballad. It's from Master and Commander with Russell Crowe. I'll send you a copy of it. I seen it in theaters. He also has the same look in Lemez. He does. He's in that? <laughs> <laughs> He's very flat. Um, I think one dynamic, thinking of all the factors of this question, is they would need a lot they would need a lot of third party candidates. And it could be the same party. We can use the Libertarian Party as an example, but you know, when it was Republicans back in the day fighting for control, when it was facing off against Obama again, there were a ton of candidates <laughs> in the running. Now we're looking at the 2020 elections. Obviously, we've got Trump and we've got a ton of Democrats throwing their hat in the race. Right. And there's this trickle effect of obviously they can't all win. Right. But if they drum up enough buzz and get enough supporters, when that primary candidate does present itself, they get a VVP. They all, somebody gets to get VVP, <laughs> but they all are like, we support so and so. Right. I mean, Ted Cruz is the perfect example when Trump was running. Like, complete enemies. The stuff that Trump said about Ted Cruz was awful. And his wife. Right. And what did Cruz do? And his dad. He, and his, especially his dad. <laughs> oh my God. And they backed him. Yep. He still was like, I still think Trump's the best candidate. He has 100% of my support. If That's you vote for me, you, exactly, you vote for him. That's why I don't like Cruz. Right. That point aside. Term limits. 
Yes. <laughs> a whole nother separate issue. That aside, the third party candidates we have now, like Gary Johnson, they don't have enough of that. There's not 15 right. pretty decently well-known people or entrepreneurs or right. celebrities running on that third party platform. You've got a handful. Agreed. The other people are just complete unknowns. Hell, right. the people running for that are the front runners are kind of unknown. Right. So I think what it would take to answer your question is a lot of people in that party to run. And if they could generate enough buzz and then support that primary candidate like they did for Hillary or uh, like they did for uh, Barack or Trump or any president that's ever happened, I think that that would be what it would take. I want to I spend a minute on that. So I think a lot of people who are thinking about this topic would think in their head they have an image of a golden child, mm-hmm. right? A singular candidate running on a third-party platform that offers the answer to everything that they want. And they assume that there's a majority that agrees with them. Golden God. Because there's an uh, egocentrical view that we can never really shake, even from childhood, in that the the majority must be on my side. Mm -hmm. um, Because what I think is... is, Logical. Based in in logic, or whether it be based in emotion. How can people not have the same emotion? Mm -hmm. And so I just want to say that I wanted to point out that what you're bringing to the table isn't a, a Leonardo DiCaprio type of candidate in which no one can argue the talent, the 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 breadth, the the what they bring to the to the table. But what you're saying is for a third party to emerge, that would actually require multiple candidates who would draw large pools per that candidate that in which once a singular representative, and I know we weren't really focusing on the presidential election, but that's fine. We can live here for a second. That once a singular candidate is chosen, that they can now take the support of all these people who were on the same platform and push all those towards this one candidate that was then elected to represent this third party that would then create enough buzz or enough support to be competitive against the established parties of today. King of the mountain. It sounds to me legitimately like you would endorse Andrew Yang. So one of the biggest... He's an independent, but he's running as a Democrat because that's the best choice. Bernie Sanders as well, but I'm I'm not disagreeing. My biggest thing is Andrew Yang has this... This is the guy who started Half Price Books? (laughs) No, that's that's his cousin. That's his cousin. Different different Yang. That's the (laughs) Yang-Yang twins you're thinking of. Uh, No, they... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So Andrew Yang talked about how everyone would essentially get a hundred dollar voucher, if you will. So every person, period, of voting age gets a hundred dollar voucher to donate to their candidate. And so I know we're taking money out of it, but money is the biggest issue in politics right now, which is one of the things. Props to Elizabeth Warren. She's at least acknowledging that money needs to get out of it. She wants to take capitalism aspects out of it. That corporations aren't people. I'll leave Citizens United alone. But the biggest thing that I'm thinking of is that with Andrew Yang, if everyone has $100, the government – I mean we're already spending so much money anyways. But everyone gets to donate their $100 to a candidate they're choosing. They would be able to pick a third-party candidate that a party might actually arise. I think the biggest – hold. so right now, let's say today, the three of us, we want to establish a third party. we got to get a backer and we got to get people on board. Getting people on board, I think, would be the easiest part because most people are really tired of the two-party system. Most people, I think that, I get that you say in 2013 that 38% thought it was effective. 
I think that number has drastically changed. I think there are more people now than ever that would say, mm. my comment said these views have been consistent since 2013. That's, that's what I thought. No, that's what I read. I don't know if it's true. I don't know I, if anything we're saying is true. From is anything real? <laughs> from 2013, I would say that it's a lot more now. I think that the polarization of the country has only magnified under the Trump presidency. And I can't imagine more people that wouldn't be willing to join a third party system. If there was just something, just something we can go to just anything, but this, because like we said, I'm voting for not the candidate. I like just the candidate. I like the, the least the charismatic leader, anything. And like I that. think that's a, what a lot of this boils down to. Absolutely. Like, I would never call you a Democrat, but you voted for Barack Obama. And you, the first thing you said out of your mouth was he's very charismatic. Absolutely. He said a lot of the right things. And that's literally all it takes. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, take a look at Trump. He's still going to build the wall, quote unquote, and Mexico is going to pay for it. Yeah. That's one of the things actually some of his biggest supporters hate. But I'll digress. The important thing is, again, the third party, for a third party to take. And there's so many issues that I think most Americans can agree upon. And, and, and we can't get there with all this bickering back and forth. That, that frustrates me. Okay, well, let me ask you, let me challenge you on this. What makes you think that a third party, if, if you just have a third party, right. that all these people who are tired of the bipartisan existence today are all going to agree with whatever this third party decides their view is? Oh, well, I, I, would, I would push back and say I don't think all would. I would say a majority would. I think that there are staunch Republicans that no matter what happens, Trump could, I don't know, assassinate Justin Trudeau or, or, or Queen Elizabeth. And like he said in his campaign speech, that mm, I could shoot someone in the middle of the square. I'm still going to have the same supporters. I agree with that. I think there are certain people that are so entrenched with their Republican beliefs that no matter what happens, nothing is too far. I would say the same thing with the Democrats. However, I think that specifically with the emergence of social media – specifically with how everyone is a lot more connected in ways that we've never been in the history of the world, that it wouldn't take too long for attraction of a third party that is a more moderate, commonsensical, let's not get caught up on all the details. Let's, hey, we want our kids to be educated. Let's spend money on that. Hey, obviously entitlement programs, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, are just blowing through the roof or out of our budget. We are now spending 10% of our revenue on just the interest of our loans. Things along those lines are something that it wouldn't take too much convincing with the way that our parties, the two party system now is polarized. So, well, well what I'm saying, so, so you're assuming that this third party would unify us.com. <laughs> right. I would never and, say that. And, and, but what I'm saying is, so let's just say there's three guys here right now. And we would probably all say that we, that at, at some level, if maybe, maybe not excluding Hasley, but I don't know, that we are um, fiscally conservative, socially and, liberal, and socially liberal. What if the third party was opposite? You see what I'm saying? So, right. sure, we all share something because we all run in the same group. We're, we're not that disconnected. We're still attached. We still have very similar thoughts. But what if the third party was a mutual mm -hmm. 
Okay. So it was it, it lived in between the two existing parties today. Right. But what if it took the opposite side of the different things that you that you right. think do you think it would still have the same level of success as if this third party lived up to everything that you thought was correct? It, and that's a great point. The the problem is is that it doesn't matter what the third party's ideas are. It keeps the other two in check cuz right now you just have yin and yang. <laughs> get low but no you just have polar opposites everything is polarized everything is you have a third person in there regardless of what their side is it checks everybody okay that's a very good point iowa anything you wanted to add to that or no i don't have a lot to add to that um i think at the end of the day while they are opposite parties the democrats and the republicans at the same time, they keep just leapfrogging back and forth yep. and they keep agreeing to not talk about specific issues. So I feel like in some ways they're the same party. We're like a one party system. Right. We just trade back and forth every four to eight years Preach. and then cancel out what the other party did. And at the end of the day, we really have one party. So I think to Brian's point, having a third party would be a wonderful thing because they bring up the things that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. Dan Carlin said it best in specifically talking about financing. And that was, ah, miss Dan Carlin. I don't know why he doesn't enlighten us, but he specifically speaks about finances, which I know, I know the whole premise was take finances out. The problem with finances is that it's so infused with politics and that money speaks unfortunately, and people are too busy. Let's say a house of representatives, they got two years. So they spend um, maybe three months governing. And then the next 18 months, my math is off. The next 21 months is all about my reelection campaign. And, and if you have a third party in there, who's able to say, that's cool. You Republican, you're backed by this, this, and this, you Democrat, you're backed by this, this, and this. I'm not funded by anybody. Therefore, I'm not beholden to anybody. Therefore, this is why this is wrong. This is wrong. And you're you're screwing over the public. And I, 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 regardless of their views, whether they be extremely fiscally liberal or it, it doesn't matter. It, it, the, all, none of that is anything if you have just another person to draw the attention to. Yeah. If you're going to break the rules and the constraints of this question, then I'm going to as well. Do it. Um, coming back to the money issue, uh, I think that for liberals, they vote by rallying. They vote by protesting. They vote by awareness, while conservatives vote with their checkbook. And I think that's why they win a lot. You need to do more research. You don't think that Oops. conservatives donate more? I know they don't donate more. Really? Yes. Tell me about that. Research. I mean, just look it up. Oh, okay, cool. I'll do that. Yeah. I, yeah I just, don't you, tell me about it. Tell me to research. I got you. Do you? Re I mean, I'm just saying, if you take a look at it, uh, take trade unions, for example. Yeah. People, the government specifically states mandate that certain aspects of certain, specifically the most democratic ones of all, force unions on people, which then turn around and have big checks to candidates. Yeah, I'm not discounting that at all. I'm talking about individuals. Oh, you're talking about the Koch brothers. You you can talk about. I'm talking about individuals, not billionaires. I'm not talking about entrepreneurs. I'm talking about unions. I'm talking about individuals. 
Do you think individual liberals donate more money to their candidates or individual conservatives donate more money to their candidates? Individual liberals. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. I, I would I would love I and I'm fine being wrong on this one. I would love for you to send me some resources on that. Consider it now. Can we put that in the show links? Alex? Yeah. <laughs> we hijacked no. it. Um <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so Real quick, let, 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 let's let's comb this out. Let, let's let's wrap it up. I got a couple of things. Um, something that I was thinking. So let's say that you have a third party. Well, let me ask you this. This is very quick. I don't want more than a, a sixty-second answer from either one of you. Do you think that it, a third party would be more successful if it was broken off of an existing party, or if it was a completely separate party? You want this first or me? Go for it. I think that both parties now are structured in a way that they wouldn't be, it wouldn't behoove anyone to break off from a certain party, setting themselves as an individual that I take Elizabeth Warren right now because she's doing very well in politics, uh, specifically in the Democratic primary. Her poll numbers have been surging. She is the only one that I've seen that has new, fresh, original ideas, and people are drawn to that. And I think the same would apply with a new third party is that if we are new, we're tired of the BS, we want the U.S., that type of party is going to win. Okay. Thank you. I think it is a split off. I think... That's going to take followers with you. I don't know why, but I come back to like the church as an example. Mm. I think a lot of times when there's trouble within the church, and you can tell me if I'm off base here, Brian, because I don't go to church, but <laughs> when a pastor or a high level person in the church leaves because they disagree with something that that church is saying, a lot of people follow them. I wouldn't say a lot. I could, I could vouch for that. See life. See life, but that's from three different churches. But at the same time, if you it didn't starting from scratch is always harder. I would harder. say so. I would say majority are from one church and and a fraction are from a second. Well, most of it is a lot. Half the church went with Paul McDonald. Half the church of Mimosa went. With, well, half the church of Sunnyvale went with that. So sure, there was half of two then. Specifics aside, starting from scratch is always going to be harder than starting from something else and having that base. And I think if you have that base and you're kind of fed up with your base, but you're somehow an outlier and you are charismatic and you do have the money, I think people are going to follow you. And I think that's exactly how Donald Trump won. (laughs) I don't think Donald Trump was a tried and true Republican. His party ostracized him. His party thought he would never amount to anything. And he set himself as an outlier in his party. And if he would have been like, you know, I'm making my own party. It's called the Trump party. I feel like he probably still would have fucking won. No chance he would have won. The biggest thing that he had was the fact that he, he won. That's true. Yeah. And that the conservatives I agree, but backed I do him. Think if he a, would, but just a comment. I do think if he would have set up the Trump party, mm-hmm. he would have been the best representative third party true. that we'd seen. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer on this. But what I did think was if, you know, if, if someone were to break off of an existing party as a moderate – and 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 live in the middle to create a new party would they be able to funnel enough people who are on the moderate end of the opposite right. into that party to have a substantial standing so that was that was just we did good i don't want to harp any more on that one i thought that was very well um 
the last thing is, do you think that it would have to, like, do you think that to, for a third party to become relevant nationwide in every election from the top down, do you think it would have to start low and build its way up? As in, there's this third party. The creation of the third party can be at the at, at a high level. Okay, I'm, I'm with you on that. But do you think that once a party exists, do you think it would take many local elections working their way up that would then get a president? Or do you think that electing someone up top, maybe and then maybe it's not even the president, maybe it's a senator, something like that, that would then trickle down and have an effect of more people being uh, uh, voted in locally based on this third party. So do you think it would be a ground up or a top trickle down? I think it's going to be penetrating those local elections for sure. Like getting in as deep as you can, you know, putting in those roots. And I think if you can start from there, I think it will trickle up naturally and just kind of explode at the top. Yeah. And you want to be able to finish. And that's, that's all we're talking about really. Sex. Brian? Well, that was my contribution to that. <laughs> I prefer to just watch. I've always known that about you. Right. I appreciate that. You're a true friend. <laughs> you never join in. You never ask. I'll hold her hair. <laughs> I've been sleeping over this for hours. So, I'm out of wine. Right. So the uh, I, I would agree that a grassroots effort is something that you would think would be the best idea. I think... I like the way you said if Donald Trump started his own party kind of thing. Actually, he might have been – if he right now said, I'm going to start a Trump party, the, his base has been consistent regardless of all the stupid crap he says. Right. So he might actually be able to do one. And I, I, I would – I think the, the grassroots would maybe last longer, but I think the best way to start one would honestly be someone from the top, someone with a lot of money and influence and or fame to be able to say – yeah, I, I'm tired of all of your stuff. Yeah, they're smart enough not to do that. I mean, look at the guy from that uh, Starbucks? Starbucks. That's exactly who he, he is. He went Democrat just because it's it's his golden ticket. Bernie Sanders. Right, and, and I contradicted myself earlier because what was my first point? My first point was they are successful because the other candidates back them when they fail. Right. So it's like, to Alex's point, they might not win by breaking off right away, but they are the best third-party candidate. And they... May not win the president, but they may end up winning local elections. And then the next time around, they gain more traction and so on and so forth. Because yeah. I don't think this is an overnight thing unless you do have a born-again JFK just pop out of nowhere with a third party. Who's the last third-party candidate that was any relevance? Ron Paul? Nope. Rule Paul. RuPaul. Rand Paul. Not RuPaul. RuPaul. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't watch the E channel? <laughs> I watch enough of the. I channel. love the Grand Tour. Anything Formula One racing, oh like gosh. RuPaul's Drag Race, like I'm all about oh it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we went there. You're welcome, America. Uh, no, the last real candidate was Ross Perot. Oh 16%. yeah, sixteen percent. Dallas is on. Why was he successful? Texas. Okay, well that's his height. Definitely not that. He was a short. Sure. Money. He was a billionaire, and he. Billionaire charisma. Charisma. Uh, hey, guess charisma. who's our president now? Debatable that he's a billionaire. I would argue with that. Yeah. But but charisma. Yeah, perception that's, is that's reality. What it takes. Right. So that's that's the thing. So for a third party candidate, if 
Trump or Ross Perot had not been so egotistical, we could have essentially had a third party in there. Ross Perot drew a lot from the Republican Party. Donald Trump drew a lot from the Republican Party. There are a lot of people from at least the Republican Party that are ready to jump ship. I think that there were a lot of people that actually were Democratic Party that voted for Trump as well in the Rust Belt. That uh, There are people in the middle that legitimately want – just find me someone. Find me someone who just – it sounds like he speaks for me. Yeah. I don't agree with it. The extreme candidates aren't going to win. Right. It's just not going to happen. The alt-right, the radical left, like they're in the race, but at the end of the day, they're going to get weeded out every time. Everybody wants something more moderate, and I think that's what the third party would have to bring. If the third party – I like, I'm going to piggyback off exactly what you said. Iowa has spoken what we need to get a third party candidate. The person who legalizes weed. You just said it. To weed them out. That's you exactly get what the I said. weed people in there. You've got your green State's party. States rights. Green party. Jill Stein doesn't have it. They weren't even. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You get Willie Nelson in there. I'm, he's got my vote. Plus he's a white male. So naturally Republicans are on board. Well, let me just say this. <laughs> Number one, I love you guys. Ditto. Thank you for a great conversation. Thank you for being open-minded enough to have deep conversation and to still be lovers and friends, emphasis on lovers afterwards. But it's an usher this, title. This isn't this, this isn't about us, right? This is about everybody. So uh, for our listeners out there, if you'd like to contribute to the conversation, email us outside our element at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to respond. We'd love to put your um, information, your thoughts up on the next episode if we deem it relevant. One of you is checking that email, right? Buy a Casper mattress. Absolutely. No, no, no. It's absolutely being checked. We should probably check Do you have that login? I think Um, I have a login. Outside of... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Damn! (laughs) Other than that, I want to say that I love you guys both very much. I respect both of your opinions, even if they're wrong. I respect you. you. And uh, I look forward to the next chance to do this again. That uh, wraps up this episode. The dude abides. The dude abides.